The Women Like You podcast would like to acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the traditional owners of the land we walk on. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. that they were getting enough exercise and their body had a physiological response to that mindset that made them healthier. Exercise is any time that you are sufficiently moving your body. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be painful. Yes, it is Women Like You, the podcast for women who hate working out but know they should. I'm Gab. I'm an audio producer and journalist. And I'm Sarah, I'm a GP and I work in fertility and women's health. And if you want to exercise more, all you need to do is change your mindset. Boom. (laughs) Just as simple as that. (laughs) So easy, so easy. Change your mindset. Now, yeah, that does sound pretty simplistic and mind over matter and the power of positive thought, but hear us out. Your brain and therefore your mindset plays a really important role in your body's physiological response to exercise. So if you could be healthier just by thinking that you are, isn't that pretty awesome? That would be (laughs) bloody excellent. All right. Like, let's give this some context. Yes. (laughs) We haven't haven't just like launched into the wellness (laughs) world of pseudoscience. Sarah's just thrown the doctor's degree in the bin (laughs) and her entire career down the drain. No, this is all very science-based. So... There was an episode that I listened to recently of the Huberman Lab podcast, which is a pod that you introduced us to, Sarah. Thank you very much. Um, It's uh, If you don't know, the Huberman Lab podcast is a neuroscience pod. Um, It's done by a Stanford University professor called Andrew Huberman, um, and he recently had Dr. Aaliyah Crum on the pod. She's a professor of psychology also at Stanford Uni, and she's the director of the Stanford Mind and Body Lab. So her wheelhouse is mindsets and beliefs, and her research really looks at how our mindset and our beliefs about ourselves affect our body's response to things like stress and exercise and even food. Um, Her work is incredible. It's really interesting. I I highly recommend this episode. It is long. Uh, They're usually about an hour and a half to two hours long, those apps. So obviously, if you don't have time, it's okay. Um, But but if you do have time and you are interested, um, her episode in particular, like, yeah, really recommend it. It blew my mind. Um, There was one bit of research that she mentioned that I thought was really quite relevant to women like you, and that's why we're going to talk about it today. So it's actually a study that she did back in 2007 at Harvard. 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 Yes, Harvard. I've never been to Harvard. Have you been? No. No, but I would like to go. I think I'd like to walk around and just breathe in the intelligence. Yes. Lie under one of those trees or something. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So today we want to talk you through a really fascinating study um, on the role that mindset can play when it comes to exercise. And uh, as Gab has just alluded to, this study was published in the journal Psychological Science by a fantastic team of scientists out of Harvard. Harvard. Um, Yes, led by Aaliyah Crum and Ellen Langer. Oh, yeah. And side note, uh, when I saw Ellen Langer's name on the study, this blew my mind. So she is the original, the OG mindfulness guru. So she's been talking about mindfulness since the 70s, way before it became trendy. Um, her book called Mindfulness, It's look, I've read it. It's a bit more academic. It's not, it's not uh, the... 
the easiest kind of self-help book you'll ever read. Um, but it's really, really good. She actually talks about these incredible studies that she's done over the years, um, studies on how what we think has a profound impact on our behaviour, things like our physical health, even things like how we age purely by what we think. Um, her research looks at how our mind affects um, all of these aspects of our life. It's oh, Her research awesome. is incredible. Yes. All right. Sorry. I'm putting, little, little side I'm, note there. <laughs> no, no. I'm putting, I'm putting that on my reading list. We should, uh, we should eventually, we should get a Women Like You book club going. Yes, we should. I think. We should. Yes. Anyway, yes. we'll put that on, we'll put that on the Langer. list of a thousand things that we need to get done. But <laughs> Ellen anyway. Langer, mindfulness, highly recommend. Excellent. Good, good. All right. So just to give you a little bit of a I guess uh, some context to this study, you might be familiar with the concept of the placebo effect, Mm -hmm. particularly when it comes to studies looking at the effectiveness of certain medications compared to a placebo. So in a placebo-controlled trial, there are at least two groups. One of the groups of participants is usually given an active ingredient. The other group is given a placebo, which in drug trials is typically a sugar pill with no active metabolites. But A placebo-controlled trial doesn't have to be a drug trial, so sometimes the placebo could be a sham treatment, like a procedure designed to have no real effect. Mm. The placebo effect is any effect that is not attributable to an actual drug or remedy, but rather is attributed to the individual's mindset. And the placebo effect is real. I think oftentimes people think that it's, you know, it's it's make believe or it's just, you know, it's it's not that important. Mm. But the placebo effect is real. In fact, there was a uh, there was a study back in in the nineties that uh, that showed that subjects that were exposed to fake poison ivy developed real rashes. What? So, <laughs> so it's just it's. The placebo effect is real and I think it's testament to the power that our minds have to believe what we want to believe. Right. So, so it's not just a, a 90s band. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Every me and... Sorry. I bloody love placebo. <laughs> anyway, we'll have no bad words said. <laughs> anyway, back to the study by Crum and Langer. Mm-hmm. What they wanted to establish was what role mindset has in the relationship between exercise and health. They hypothesise that the placebo effect plays a role in the health benefits of exercise. That is to say that one's mindset mediates the connection between exercise and your own health. So in this particular study, uh, they recruited 84 female hotel room attendants um, that were working pretty physical jobs cleaning multiple hotel rooms a day. Half of these women were assigned to the informed group and half were assigned to the control group. So we've got two different groups of women. Mm -hmm. All the women were told that the purpose of the study was to improve the health and happiness of women working in a hotel workplace. Both groups received written information about the benefits of exercise. The informed group were provided with the written info, outlining all of the the juicy benefits of exercise, Mm -hmm. and they were told that their daily housekeeping duties at work satisfied the CDC's recommendations to be sufficiently active. Oh, sufficiently active. Okay, I was going to so say, were- I'm, leaving, I'm leaving a pause there for you to <laughs> whisper. Sufficiently active, active in my ear. So, so they're, they're busy hotel workers. They're yep. on their feet all day, cleaning, carrying, lugging, shifting, doing all kinds of physical work. They've been given all this information about exercise. Yeah, yeah. These the women are working. Yeah, they're working 32, 40 hours a week. I think that they said that each of them cleaned approximately 15 Similar hotel rooms a day. 
Right. Okay. So they've physical been given, stuff. They've been given information about exercise, and then they've been told that what they currently do meets current recommendations for being physically active. So basically, they've been told they they do enough exercise. That's in right. Their, so that's, in their day to day job. That's right. So that's one arm of the study. Okay. The other arm of the study, the control group, they received the same information about the benefits of exercise, but unlike that informed group, they were not told that the work that they were performing could be considered sufficient exercise. Well, at least they weren't told that until the completion of the study. Okay. So they just, they just given all this information about exercise and how yeah. it's good for you and they you went about doing, their daily business. That's right. Yep. You should be doing your 150 minutes, yep. et cetera, et cetera. And they but, kept, you know, being like women like you and I feeling absolutely terrible, terrible about themselves because they exactly. weren't getting enough exercise in. Yeah. All that. Precisely. Okay. And this, this, I love this bit. The, uh, the informed group was specifically told that exercise does not have to be hard or painful to be good for their health, yes. but rather it is simply a matter of moving their bodies sufficiently. Okay. So they were told that they were already meeting, even exceeding the recommendations for how much exercise they needed. So essentially you've got two groups of women who are both doing the same amount of physical activity each day. One group has been told that exercise is good for them and they're already getting enough. Yep. The other group has just been told that exercise is good for them. Yep. But, All right. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so we get okay, to the juice so What bit. happened? What happened? <laughs> what happened? Cut to the chase. So neither group actually increased their exercise outside of work, and there were lots of there were lots of um, parts of the study to ensure that there weren't confounding factors there. Okay. So the results that I'm about to share with you are not because the informed group started to do a whole heap more exercise than the control group. Their behaviour did not change. What changed was the perception of how much exercise that they were doing. And what is fascinating, like absolutely like gobsmackingly wonderful, Mm. is the changes that were reported in their physiological measures. So this study went for four weeks. Okay. So not a long study. Four weeks after the intervention, the informed group perceived themselves as getting more exercise than they did before. And when compared to the control group, they showed a statistically significant decrease in systolic blood pressure, body fat, waist to hip ratios, and BMI or body mass index. Holy shit. Four Four weeks weeks after doing doing nothing, no changes, nothing else. No changes. No significant behavioral changes in either group. One of them one group felt as though they were getting all of the exercise they needed and the other group did not. Yeah, and so, like, the amazingness of that is they believed, they had the perception that they were getting enough exercise and their body had a physiological response to that mindset that made them healthier. Yep. After only four weeks of knowing <laughs> that their day jobs were good exercise, their health metrics changed. Holy shit. That's incredible. Blood pressure, body fat, waist hip ratios, body mass index. Huge. Not doing anything different other than changing the way you think about it. Yeah. And so Crum and Langer say that these results supported their hypothesis that increased perceived exercise independently of actual exercise results in subsequent physiological improvements. And to me, (laughs) this study is an excellent reminder that incidental exercise, it really does count, but it's not only important to be sufficiently active, but it's important to recognise that all of that incidental exercise that you're doing is doing you good. Yes. So a positive mindset about that incidental exercise, recognising it as real exercise. Real exercise doesn't just happen at a gym. Real mm. exercise doesn't just happen with a personal trainer. Yeah. Real incidental exercise can actually 
improve your health. Yes. I love this study. I love it. I love it too. Me too. It just honestly, what I love about this as well is um, when Aaliyah talks about this study with Dr. Huberman, um, she mentioned that like generally before they approached these, sorry, before they started the study with these two groups of women, generally when they sort of um, interviewed everybody and just kind of got a general sense of um, their sense of physical activity, most of the women in both groups said that they don't, they didn't feel like they did enough exercise. Mm. So like going into it, even though they had a really, they have really physical jobs, they're on their feet all day and, you know, you would compare this similar type of work to, you know, any kind of nursing or, you know, care-related yep. positions where you're literally on your feet all day, you're lifting, you're moving, you're pushing, you're helping, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yep. They they generally didn't think that they were getting enough exercise mm. and I before think that this also, study. <laughs> that, that comes back to that, to that concept of kind of the exercise snobbery. That we that that we've talked about here a few times. Thank you to your beautiful friend that um, sent in that email that time. Um, you know, exercise is any time that you are sufficiently moving your body. Yes. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be painful. No pain, no gain. No way. No, no we're done with <laughs> we're yeah. done with that. Be sufficiently active and recognize that what you're doing is really good for your health. Yeah, and I think that's the that's the key, isn't it? It doesn't have to be in a specific outfit. It doesn't have to be at a specific time or a specific place. I mean, if those things help you get exercise into your, you know, get more physical activity into your day-to-day life, awesome. It doesn't need to be in those sort of really structured um, formats or frameworks that, that, you know, sometimes is a real block for a lot of women, you know. Yeah, if, because if you, if you can't right. afford a gym, if you can't af- if you don't have or fancy you just active feel like- wear, you don't have the time outside of your busy life to get this, you know, so-called an 150 minutes. Yeah, yeah. You know, check out what you're already doing and and tell yourself that it counts. Yeah, absolutely. And so I guess that kind of brings us to, all right, so the, the study showed, and look, this isn't just an isolated study as well. That I mentioned before, Aaliyah Crumb's work is incredible. She has, she has done these types of studies, not just about exercise, but you know, in, in, in many other ways, in many other frameworks that, that kind of keep showing the same results. Mm. Like literally she talks about this study that she did where um, participants were given, um, it was sort of more related to the placebo thing, but they were given the same milkshake. Oh, the milkshake study. Yeah. <laughs> the same milkshake two weeks in a row. The first time they took, they were given the milkshake, they were told it was like really decadent, high fat, high sugar. The second time they drank it, Exactly the same milkshake, by the way. But the, mm. the second time they drank it, they were told that it was like more healthy, a, a more healthy yeah. version of a milkshake. And low calorie, very low diet. Calorie. Yeah, diet yeah. friendly, that kind of thing. And their body's physical response to that milkshake was different, even though it was exactly the same milkshake. And it was mm. purely based on what they thought they were drinking. When they had the high fat, high sugar, super decadent version, they felt way more sated. And like they, their mind physically told their body, I've, I've eaten really well. I've like I've had something really indulgent that's going to make me full all afternoon. But the diet version, which again, same milkshake, no change, but because they thought it was a diet version, they were hungrier, you know, much sooner after having it because they were like, oh, I've had a diet milkshake. <laughs> so exactly. Like, what you think matters. Um, the, but- uh, the placebo effect and the nocebo effect, which is kind of, essentially it's the opposite of the placebo effect. So the placebo effect is when we think we're getting something 
positive from mm. an intervention that's not actually Anything. providing a positive change. The nocebo effect is when we think we get a negative outcome from something that has no kind of active ingredient or or, or inter- active intervention. Mm. And so with that, you know, the placebo nocebo effect is thoroughly fascinating and uh, and it's a lot of the work that uh, that I think, you know, uh, Aaliyah does at the Stanford Mind and Body Lab. Mm. Great stuff. 100%. So fascinating. So, yeah, like we're, we're not just trying to sell you on like one study. This has uh, been repeated in many different <laughs> ways over and over again. This but is the study. This <laughs> is the single study. Because that's how science works. It does. Do it once, never do it again. Never do it again, never change it. Um, so, but, you know, how do you actually change your mindset? Well, firstly, as the results of this study showed, you actually don't have to do that much. As it showed, simply by being told these women were sufficiently active, they had a different physiological response to exercise Mm. without making any changes to their daily routine. So you don't actually have to do that much. But, you know, if your day-to-day routine is not as active as, you know, a a nurse or a hotel worker or... Sitting in front of the computer a lot. Exactly, like me. Yep. So if your day is a bit more like that, um, there are some things that you can do to help you think about exercise differently. And as Sarah and I say all the time, keep tabs on your incidental exercise. Yes. So for me, like, I mean, I'm a recent adoptee of the bullet journal method, so I like to kind of, you know, map out my day (laughs) and and also reflect on my day. But, you know, if you're planning out your week, the key is actually look at what's involved in each of those days. So on the days when you might be minding the kids or looking after children or relatives, you know, lifting children or lifting someone up and down, you know, trips to the shops, heavy groceries, like basically those days where you're doing a lot of activities, a lot of extracurricular activities, and it's a busy day when you know that you're going to be on your feet all day, you can basically just think of that whole day as an exercise day. Exactly. Chalk that one up to exercise. Yeah, you don't done. have to do all of that and then go to the gym if you no. don't have time for getting no. to the gym. Like unless it's unless it makes you feel better for your mental health, obviously yeah, sure. do it. But you know, like this this whole podcast is for women who struggle to exercise. So I'm guessing yeah. that you're not just you know drifting off to the gym to do a you know 45 minute hit session just because it's good for your mental health and it feels great. You know, it's this is this is hard for us. So yeah, when you've had when you've got one of those days in the bank, you know, maybe it's a Wednesday, a Saturday, whatever day it is. Maybe you've got every single day of the week. It looks like that. You're done. You've yes. you're hitting your physical activity quota. Um, <laughs> Woody agrees. <laughs> Woody agrees. <laughs> Another thing that helps is you know like, are you a planner or are you a reflector? So what I mean by that is, do you map out your day or your week ahead of time, or are you someone that reflects back on your day or your week afterwards? Or you know, you might be a combination of both. Mm. It's in those moments that you actually look at your incidental exercise. So. It, it might be that, you know, your Tuesday actually looks pretty quiet. You're going to be sitting down all day. But when you reflected on that day later that night, you actually looked back on your Tuesday and there were several things that kind of popped up that you weren't expecting that actually meant that you did quite a bit of walking that you hadn't accounted for. So, again, it's just looking at those moments and reflecting on those and telling yourself, reminding yourself, literally letting your brain think. Yes, that you have done exercise or that you're going to do exercise and the physiological response will follow. You know, on those days, as, you know, Sarah and I said, we, we have sedentary desk jobs. So, you know, on those days when you know you're probably not going to move from your desk very much, I guess those are the days that you want to factor in some physical activity. That's when you need 
to think about getting your 22 yep. to 44. But, you know, might like need, Sarah might does. Need to plan it in that day. Yeah, like, like Sarah does, you know, her 22 to 44 most days is the walk to and from the train station. Boom, done. Yep. You know, it's it's that, that's her commute, but that's also her exercise. Um, it's just like for me, working from home, I don't have a commute. So that on those days, I actually have to think about when I can get that 22 to 44 in. But on the days when, yeah, I might be minding my niece or something like that and I'm just like up and down and, and or doing heaps of shopping or whatever, like those days exercise is done, baby. Yes, exactly. And don't feel like that exercise is any less for your health than planned, focused, you know, exercise in your exercise gear at the exercise gym. At <laughs> the exercise gym? <laughs> no, the exercise gym has a can tell. To the- you can tell I'm a uh, health fanatic. <laughs> You know what? You should host. You should host an exercise podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so but, good. Know, I think the hardest thing, and it, it was Bridge who um, who Bridge. introduced yes. us to the exercise snobbery mindset. Well, obviously, we're going to have to shift that. That's that's problematic now that we know how you know much our mindsets affect how exactly. we approach things. Um, but that idea of incidental exercise. I know that even as you're listening to Sarah and I talk about incidental exercise right now, you're probably still thinking, no, like I've got to go to the gym or I've got to make it a 45 minute or I've got to. I've got to be running for it to count. Exactly. I've got to be sweating. It's got to be hard. So it's so hard to undo that conditioning. Um, But we have to because incidental exercise counts. It absolutely counts. Literally, again, we'll go back to this study by Kram and Langer. As the study showed, these hotel workers did nothing different from what they were already doing, but purely by thinking that they were getting enough exercise, their body responded. They got the the positive benefits of exercise purely by thinking they were doing enough exercise. And those that didn't think that they were doing enough exercise missed out on some of those juicy benefits. Juicy, juicy benefits. Like You podcast is produced by me, Gab Burke, and music is by Hamish Camilleri. Thank you again for listening and sharing our little pod. You can follow us on socials. Just search for Women Like You podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Don't forget to leave us a review if you can, if you've got time. It's really quick and easy to do, and it does actually help other women find our podcast. Other women like you who might need a little bit of help and advice on, you know, how to get a little bit a little bit more active, or as we like to say, sufficiently active. Sufficiently active. <laughs> and also don't forget you can subscribe to our oh, yes. weekly newsletter. At, to the newsletter. To the newsletter at womenlikeyoupodcast.com, which is our website. I'm Sarah. <gasps> and I'm Gab. And hey, actually, I was going to say off the back of last week's episode with Emmy, um, mm. one thing that I loved in your newsletter was the prompt uh, to sign up for organ donation absolutely you can sign up to be an organ donor and uh, and i think the other really important thing is to make sure that you have that conversation with your family Mm. so that if that situation ever came to pass that your family know what your wishes are and you could just end up saving someone's life someone beautiful like emmy yes or multiple people's lives or multiple people yes Yes. um i've it's always been one of those things it's been on my list of things to do um but then yeah when you provided the link in the newsletter it literally takes a couple of minutes i was gonna say it takes no time at all mm. but it's and a definitely it's a two-parter sign up and tell your family yeah 100 percent. and obviously i'm just gonna put it 
put it on the podcast right now, out into the world. I mean, my husband knows, but, but yes. and you know, but obviously, 100%. Also, if I if, pass away, take whatever is useful, please. Absolutely. Absolutely. Probably, I, I don't know if Churchill's going to be useful, but <laughs> <laughs> my kidneys will be in okay shape, I promise. <laughs> I was just going to say, I wonder how Merkel will hold up. They'll probably open it up and be like, oh, I will thank you for your (laughs) generous donation. We'll take your corneas. Um, (laughs) How the toes looking? Um, Organ donation, not a joke. Not a joke. Sarah's liver, occasionally a joke. Um, (laughs) On that note. (laughs) If that made absolutely no sense, Sarah nicknamed her liver Churchill in med school. Okay, so we're not just weirdos who have random names for our organs. (laughs) Or do we? Anyway, I was going to say, perhaps we're both. Um, Excellent. I love Love you. you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Big name in the water.